Hello and welcome to WrestleWolf Brother Friends. I'm your host, Dr. Damian Gibson, DMD, and this is our AEW Dynamite recap and review. Uh, let's get into it. Really good episode of Dynamite this week. Uh, moving back from it's amazing that when dynamite is on saturday nights uh for all tony and jr's uh reminiscing about saturday night uh wrestling wcw saturday night was a bit shit as well by the way so but for some reason uh on wednesday nights they bring their a game i mean it's not for some reason we know why it's more prime time no one's home on a Saturday night to watch live TV, so you're going to get, um, you're still going to get decent matches, but anyway, this was A-grade Dynamite stuff here. Uh, we started off with CM Punk versus Bobby Fish. It doesn't seem like Bobby Fish is going away, so um, me not talking about him, hoping it would go away, just seems a little bit redundant, and the fact that he is wrestling my favorite wrestler now, um, yeah. My hand has been forced. Anyway, hopefully Bobby Fish comes to his senses in his own private life. As far as wrestling is concerned, this uh, this was a fantastic match. It's two people who know ring psychology inside out and told an amazing story because of it. Um, essentially, Bobby Fish bullied... Um, I can't remember who it was last week. Anyway, he bullied a younger wrestler. CM Punk came down. And uh, confronted him because he hates bullies. And that's why this match existed. Bobby Fish was uh, basically goading CM Punk to come out uh, onto the um, onto the outside so Fish could, you know, be a bad guy. Uh, and then there was this sort of constant struggle between those two juxtapositioning ideas on how to wrestle a match. Um, and this carried on with Punk's sort of old you know, older wrestler where it, it he can't, it's not him just hitting a GTS and, and powering through these matches. He has to work. And I, you know, as much as I uh, am not a fan of Bobby Fish as a person, uh, to have him come into the company and build him up the way they have, which they have, is that like, hey man, this is a decent, this guy is a really good in-ring wrestler. Uh, you couldn't just have... Um, you just couldn't have him do a squash job. I mean, AEW doesn't really do that that often. Um, I mean, there were a couple on this, but uh, when someone is is as good in ring as Bobby Fish, then they're not going to do it. Uh, so this told a really good story. Punk gets the win in the end, but uh, it was a story of him having to, to, to graft to get there. And I, I'm kind of enjoying this sort of like old man Logan <laughs> version of CM Punk where um, he will win and he knows that he will win but it's not he doesn't do it in the vicious uh, you know immediate nature that he used to when he was younger um, next up we got a MJF squash match against a local jobber who I didn't take, make a note of but the crowd seemed to like him uh, he then goes on, he goes really hard against Boston, basically saying that he would rather put his dick in a blender than to, <laughs> uh, uh, sleep with any woman from Boston. Uh, people get really upset about that. Uh, MJF, uh, 
basically is calling out Darby Allen as well. He plays Sting's music. The lights go out. Sting comes down the ramp. Darby Allen is dressed as Inspector Gadget. Uh, in the audience, it's their Halloween episode, so there's a lot of costumes involved in this, which I didn't actually have a problem with. Um, Darby, you know, appears. MJF does the big shocked face, and uh, they sort of beat down Sean Spears and Wardlow as MJF runs off. All really good. Uh, hearing some criticism in regards to this angle of like oh, it's not really hitting the heights of of what uh, we thought online. I've I have really enjoyed this angle, and I think they're telling a long. They've told a relatively long ter- time, a long term story. I mean, we're looking at about six to eight weeks, um, and uh, yeah, I just I don't I don't really know what else you would want from this angle. I mean, uh, I suppose you could have more promos from Darby Allen, but. Darby Allen disappearing and then reappearing, much like Sting did in WCW. There's a continuity in in his character in AEW, but also a continuity of Sting's character. If Sting is uh, Darby Allen's tutor slash father figure, whatever you want to call it, then he's going to be handing down little tidbits of what he did when he was younger. And this is exactly the kind of thing that Sting would do. I don't, I don't, uh, I don't see any pro. I don't see any holes in the story here. I don't see. Uh, I think Darby Allen being away for periods of the time only heightens him as a character. He he, outside of doing his little sort of, um, you know, French New Wave vignettes that he does, there, um, he's not overly strong on mic, so. I think they're playing to his strengths, and you're playing to the strengths of the two people in the in the um, in the feud. MJF is the best promo in the world at the moment, so let him do the majority of the work as far as that's concerned. The other thing is, well, AEW is still attracting new viewers, or at least trying to attract new viewers, and MJF is a hundred percent the type of person. Because he is so magnetic and so good on the microphone, he's the kind of person that, if especially if someone isn't a big wrestling fan and they haven't sort of seen this um, trope before, because he's so good at it, it's going to get people to come back. Anyway, I, I really enjoyed this. Thought it was good. I, I'm really looking forward to I mean, this was the official sort of challenge where Darby Allen says, full gear. Um, and, and that will happen, obviously. Uh, Britt Baker is booked into a trick-or-treat match on Rampage. I think it's on Rampage this week against Abaddon. Finally, we get some Abaddon on the on the main roster. Uh, Britt Baker is very upset by this, then finds out it's a DQ match, and then she's she's pretty cool because um, she says she's got a couple of tricks up her sleeve. It's um, it's Jamie Hayter and, and Rebel. Uh, next up, Sammy Guevara versus Ethan Page for the TNT title, and then a whole bunch of fucking dumb American top team stipulations. Um, again, I heard people sort of talking about this as like, oh, this was a flat point in this feud. Are you serious? It's the only wrestling we've got, and what wrestling it was. 
I mean, Sammy Guevara's gone to another level. Ethan Page is amazing in ring. This is what I come to AEW for. I do not come to AEW to watch Dan Lambert, you know, pretend to to be this sort of Trumpian, or I don't even know how much he's pretending, but pretending to be this Trumpian fuckhead uh, to rile up the crowd. AEW doesn't need to rely on trip, you know, cheap parlor tricks like that to get the crowd excited. It, it just doesn't. That's a that's a WWE thing to have someone come in. I mean, heels do that. I know I was just praising MJF for sort of doing the same thing, but it's done in a much more sort of interesting way with MJF. I find um, I find Dan Lambert just frustrating more than uh, interesting. Like, he's not a heel that will keep me coming back. Um, anyway. Anyway, this match was fantastic. Sammy Guevara doesn't lose the belt, which is good. Ethan Page gets a bit of a rub and gets some single singles, um, uh, you know, what's the word? Spotlight on him. All good. Uh, the Inner Circle announced the five-man tag match, which we already knew was going to happen. Um, Jericho does his Jericho stuff. Look, this is this particular part was probably the most I've enjoyed this. And, and I know maybe people think that I've got like a, an unwarranted hatred for American Top Team. If you're enjoying it, great, you know. And I can see maybe why. I th- I think a lot of that would be because you've been conditioned to like it because it feels like the most WWE thing AEW have done. Um. And this feels like what wrestling should be like. But I, I just don't think you need to do that. You you put people over by them winning. You put heels over by them being a bit arsehole-ish. But you don't, you know, I, anyway. Anyway, they seem to think that it's going to get more eyeballs on, on the product. And if it does, fine. But let's, let's just get to full gear and put a bullet in the head of this feud. Uh, Eddie Kingston, Braniel, uh, Brian De- Braniel. Brian Danielson being interviewed by Tony as Shavani. Um, Eddie Kingston basically is continuing on what he was saying to to Brian on on Rampage or Dynamite, just gone, uh, saying like, you don't know anything about me. I get up every day. I work my ass off just to stay out of jail because I'm a fucked up dude. And you don't know anything about mental illness. I was like, whoa, fuck, this is about mental illness all of a sudden. Um, and then Brian Danielson, Eddie Kingston's like, excuse my back and walks off. And then Brian Danielson's like, yeah, good, good, yeah, that's the Eddie Kingston I want to see. <laughs> like, and you kind of, um, there have been these little glimpses of Brian um, slowly turning heel. It's the slow drip um, AEW story that I just love. It's just so perfect. <laughs> Uh, and this was like, even though w- you couldn't fault what Brian Danielson was saying in the moment, you know, it's like, ah, oh, yeah, that's what I want. I want the, I want the real Eddie Kingston. So I know when I've beaten him up, you know, or, you know, I can put him off his game because now I've got inside his head a little bit. Although he didn't really say that. Um, in the moment while I was watching, I was like, well, that kind of makes sense. You know, Brian Danielson is the ultimate baby face. He wants to face each competitor and uh, at the top of their game and that's essentially what he's saying here but really underneath what he's doing is needling eddie kingston's mental health issues which are pronounced 
um, to uh, pronounce by Eddie, I mean, um, you know, to put him off his game. So, because he worries about Eddie Kingston. Um, and there were also like a couple of moments in these promos where it felt like, uh, you know, Brian Danielson mentions John Moxley, uh, which is some nice foreshadowing as well. Uh, because if we look at the brackets of both sides of the eliminated tournament, it's it's most likely Moxley versus Brian Danielson, right? And and the way that Moxley's being booked, I can't see him losing to anyone. Um, yeah, really cool little little promo here. Um, next up, we had uh, Lucha Bros accept FTR's challenge for the. AEW belts um, at uh, full gear. I I don't know if they're they'd have to get their skates on if they're going to do this, but uh, it feels like they're. Um, I mean, it might it may just be a case of FTR winning these belts and being double champions. I wonder if they put the AAA belts on the line as well, just to give AAA a bit more of a rub, you know, for. For full gear. But anyway, good stuff from both of these teams at all as always. Uh now, Hikaru Shida versus Serena Deep. I had a couple of people uh Paul you know, I was speaking to Paul about this. And uh and I need to message him back and ask him what he meant. Because he was like, Oh, I, this was really good, but it could have been better. Um and I assume he means the sort of gaga at the end with the trophy and all that sort of thing. But uh, which I, I actually didn't mind though, because I felt like it was just reinforcing Serena Deep as a heel because she's had a slightly slow heel turn. Hasn't been a complete like, <laughs> but this was kind of it, you know. Um, but she is phenomenally gifted in ring. Um, I'm trying to read the Straight Edge Society was the thing that she was in with uh, Luke Gallows and Sam Punk. Uh, which was a, a faction that I actually quite... I mean, of course, Sam Punk was in it, so I enjoyed it. But I actually enjoyed that storyline. Um, and I th- felt like Serena Deep showed that she was a really good wrestler then. And, um, man, she this match, if you can find... Um, if you can get Serena Deep to have these, like, technical chain wrestling... Well, it's not even really chain wrestling, but these technical mat wrestling... Um, showcases with the better in-ring workers on the women's division um then we got to do it because this this show like i mean that this was an amazing match it was probably my favorite match on the card and it shows that the talent is there in the women's division in aw we all know that we all know that the women's division is in in aw is now world class but we're not seeing enough of why and this match is the perfect example for that. If I was if I was going to use a piece of evidence outside of the Thunder Rosa, Britt Baker, Lights Out match, this would be another match where I'm like, look, man, this is world class. Um, and Serena Deep, I mean, when she was in WWE, she was training people at the Performance Center. They didn't think that she could, that she had the right stuff. I mean, it's just absolutely crazy that she wasn't wrestling for WWE. But anyway, their loss is AEW's gain. I love this match. Sheeta goes through in the eliminated tournament for the uh, for the uh, TBS title. Starting to get confused with all the, the T titles. Um, and there was a part of me that really 
you know, I, I wanted Dave to win. But I think it's good that they're pushing Shader as well because Shader has star potential and, and don't discount her contribution to this match either. She's a fantastic wrestler, but it really is Dave that is, is lifting the, is elevating the quality of uh, performances in women's matches here. Uh, oh man, Cody's promo. So <laughs> there is so, look, I mean, I don't know this for sure, but it feels like there's so much retconning going on in this. It, it, and I, I still, I mean, I'm at the point now where I cannot tell if I'm being swerved or not. So basically the Cody comes out, he's all dressed in black. He's got like a, a hoodie on, you know, sleeves cut off. Like he's just come straight from the gym. He's doing the work, right? Remember, Cody does the work, even though he doesn't really. Well, he does, but he does the wrong work. <laughs> but I can't tell. I mean, he kind of, um, you know, I heard Michael Hamlet say this uh, this morning on What Culture, and I'll credit him for this, basically saying that he's not, he's never has and never will swallow Cody's humble brags. You know, it's like, ah, oh, you know, I, I, you know, my wife's way too good looking for me and my house is too big for me and my brother's too cool for me, you know. And that really resonated with me because it's like, oh yeah, that that is what's happening here. But again, I don't know if that's being done on purpose. I don't know if all of this is like some meta Triple H character that Cody is playing, or whether he just doesn't get it. <laughs> he just doesn't get the people. The reason why people hate him at the moment is because Alistair Black should not be fucking losing to Cody Rhodes within the first couple of months of him coming into AEW. And in a company where uh, wins and losses do matter, there's a ranking system, you have to, I mean, Brian Danielson is is doing that at the moment. John Moxley is doing that. They are winning matches to show rather than tell that they deserve to be in the title picture. I've seen Punk's doing the same thing. Adam Cole is a bit less, like, we're not pushing him as much yet. But the same thing is happening. He hasn't lost a match, blah, 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 blah. Um, so when you have Alistair Black come in and he loses, but then he's cutting promos saying, yeah, but it doesn't matter that I lost because I fucked with your head. That... Does, it doesn't mean shit. And then Cody comes out here and basically goes, well, you know, uh, I apologize to the family and they're all cool with me and I'm not going to change and I don't turn. It has also kind of eradicated the retconning of Alistair Black's promos. And now we're moving on to Cody Rhodes versus Andrade. And play, like, oh God, I mean, if, <laughs> if he bears Andrade as well, you know, I just... If Cody Rhodes has an angle with with Andrade and beats Andrade, maybe at full gear, uh, I mean, people will lose their fucking mind. I mean, they really will. I'm still holding off complete judgment here, um, even though I'm not overly enjoying it. I mean, Alistair Black versus Pac is a cool little angle, and I sort of hope that both of those guys get out of the Cody-verse. Um but I'm really worried that Cody's going to fucking bury Andrade here. Unless, 
unless there's some long-term goal here, which mean you know, but fuck, it, it's. I think it's getting to the point where they might have to pull the trigger sooner rather than later because people are not. If they are playing 4D chess, then no one's getting it, and uh, it's really worrying people. In a in a fandom where you have been so comfortable with pretty much all booking decisions outside of the Codyverse, uh, it is really, um, you know, it really gets the hackles on the back of your neck up with this Cody shit because you're like, oh, God, who's Cody wrestling next and is he going to bury them? And uh. um, Having said that, all of that, this little promo itself, I probably enjoyed more than um, than I have Cody stuff recently. And and it it's all because Cody did the sincere Cody thing at the beginning of it. And I, you know, he has just, even just rhythmically, he has this rhythm that gets people on board with him when he's cutting a promo. Um, but everything that he was saying, he wasn't really making sense with the storyline that was going on. It's... It's a mess. So if it all gets tied up somehow together, great. But I, I cannot see how that happens at the moment. The only way that we can sort of dig our way out of this hole that's been dug by Cody's golden shuffle is by him losing some feuds. That needs to happen. Um, because people aren't going to, people just aren't going to go with him being a face and winning at the moment especially against hot new talent. I mean, that's why people are making comparisons against Triple H. Um, anyway, feel like we talk about this every week at the moment, but yeah. Uh, and we finished up with Dark Order versus The Elite. Uh, I really enjoyed this match. Again, saw people kind of be like, oh, two weeks out from full gear. I shouldn't do that voice for other people's opinions. They're, they're allowed to have their own opinion. But two weeks out from full gear, you know, should Adam Page and Kenny Omega be involved in like a dress-up for four-on-four tag match? I don't have any problem with it because, one, it's Halloween. It's the Halloween episode. Uh, and they said that. they And they said that last week. They're like, you know, we're going to have a Halloween match, dress-up, blah, blah, Dark Order in it. So I think that works well. The Elite are funny as well. Like... I enjoyed this, man. I enjoyed all of this. Uh, you know, um, the elite dress up as Ghostbusters. Uh, you know, Johnny Hungy as Bambi. Uh, Adam Page dressed up as the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man <laughs> and ripping his head off. And, you know, them doing the, uh, you know, the reveal of Brandon Cutler being uh, in the horse's head and blah, blah, blah. Just, you know, what when the Bucks and Kenny Omega are involved, what does happen is that the beats are planned out well. And whether you are a Jim Cornette kind of person, you're like, this is ridiculous, this isn't pro wrestling, or you're, you know, a BTE super fan, you can't argue that they do plot out the matches. Well, I mean, Jim Cornette could. But if you're just being objective, they do plot out those matches really well. But just where you're starting to be like, uh, something else happens and it keeps your interest. It's always entertaining. It's always fun. Um, 
I know the the art. There is the argument of like, oh, well, WWE did this. You lose your fucking mind. It's like, but I don't think it would be done with the same charm. I don't, you know, I th- it would end up. It always comes across as feeling like, you know, uh, and I think it's probably just because of Vince and the amount of stories that come out about Vince that maybe people project that onto everything WWE does. But it always feels like someone's being bullied or someone's missing out on something or it never quite feels like um, everyone's in on it and everyone's having fun. And that's what it feels like when you're watching AEW. Um, Would I want this to be the main event of every Dynamite every week? Fuck no. But is it fine for for their Halloween episode? Absolutely. They've still got two more episodes before we get to, to full gear and they'll straighten up and they'll have the proper Jim Ross in-depth film promos for the for the match, you know. Um, but the day that AEW stop doing stuff like this and trying different things and having different types of matches is the day that I'll stop watching. I don't, as much as I enjoy your, your Brian Danielson versus uh, Suzuki matches you know i enjoy these as well um anyway i thought this was a really good episode of dynamite i'm i'm genuinely looking forward to rampage now can't wait to see what happens uh and we've got the next two weeks leading up to full gear which are going to be huge man um anyway i'm going to leave it there uh thank you for listening supporting us uh if you want to continue to help you can write a review Give us five stars on Apple Podcasts, guys. It really does help. I mean, you cannot, you cannot, I cannot explain to you guys how much it would help if you went and just gave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Each one of those just puts us in front of Apple, uh, you know, just puts us in front of so many more new people. It's not funny. Anyway, um, uh, you can follow us on social medias. You can send us an email at wrestlewolfpodcast at gmail.com. But until next time, brother dudes, brother dudettes, and brother friends, may your wrestling be good wrestling and good night.